Can I pray for us this morning? God, thank you. Um, just thank you that you are strong. God, I, I thank you that we can focus on you this morning. And I pray that if any of us came in this room and we feel like we just have any, any kind of load on us, something that's worrying us or stressing us out or just heavy burdens or things we're you know, thinking about, God, I pray that you would lift that load right now. Pray that in this silence, in this moment, we can feel you lifting that load. God, I pray that you speak to us and show us who you are. God, thank you for our life today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, um, kids, you can go ahead and run on upstairs. Got a lot of smiley faces here today. This is, this is good stuff. Krista, thank you so much. Robbie, thank you so much for leading us today. We've got some pretty uh, talented musicians at Church Project. What do you think, huh? Pretty good. Who else is hiding out there that can play? Huh? Anyone else hiding? Ray, Ray? Karen? Uh-oh. See, she's kind of squirming down now. Okay, I got gotcha. you. We'll have Grandpa come up here and lead us next week. What do you think about that, buddy? That'd be good. Bad idea. Bad idea? <laughs> hey, are we good today? Are we feeling good today? If you would, grab a Bible, make sure it's in front of you. We're going to be um, into Luke chapter 13, verses 9 through 21 is what we're going through. We've been walking through um, Luke, well, for a while now. We made it to chapter 13 last week. That was a powerful message. And I'm going to hand out something. And I know, I know as soon as I hand this out, you're pretty much going to make spit wads and airplanes and not listen to anything else the rest of the day, but that's okay, because I think this is important. So Zoe, can you hand these, can you kind of hand these out, or hand them back, or just help us, whatever, there you go. The reason I'm handing this out is, our house church was pretty awesome on Friday night. I don't know about, I talked to Jared, and I heard your guys's was pretty good too. Your guys's, is that, is that proper? In Greeley, that's proper. You can say you guys's, whatever you want. We're not down south, so we can't say y'all, so... You yalls's uses. Anyways, what are you doing? You're getting me. You're getting me sidetracked here. Our house church was great, and the passage before that. If you if you want to just kind of cheat and look back into the passage before Luke chapter 13, in the verses, um, you know, one through nine, part of those verses is repentance. And, and Zoe, can you hand me yours? I forgot to keep one for myself. Um, I wanted to hand this out because I came across this this week, and, and there's my little Rob Utley down at the bottom, so you know it's not mine, okay? But I came across this, and as I was studying, and I, I thought, man, this is awesome. I wish we'd have brought this up for last week. So I want to touch on this, and this is something cool that you can just kind of have. But if you look at repentance, I, I think he makes a pretty cool little statement right there. He says, repentance is turning from a self-centered and a self-directed life to a God-centered and a God-directed life. I like that. That is such a cool, easy definition what it means to repent. It's like, me? My life? Wait, no. God and his life. Yes, that's what repentance is. But there was three things that I came across when I read this that I thought, this is for all of us. Um, First is, Jesus connects lack of repentance with perishing. Like, if people don't repent, they will perish. If people don't say, I've got something wrong with my life, then they will perish. That's a scary thing. Repentance is, is realizing that we're living life on our own and we need God. And so that's, that's one thing. The second thing is this. Repentance is linked as a companion um, obligation to faith. 
You, re- you repent when you have faith. And, and read these verses underneath here and you'll, you'll get it. I don't want to touch too much on this because this was last week's message, okay? Um, and then the third one is this. God is even affirmed as being the source of our repentance. That was beautiful. Um, if, if you would, and you can take this piece of paper during one of your quiet times this week maybe and just kind of go through these verses. God is even being the source of us repenting. God is the source of all of our life. And it's so cool because all we have to do is show up and lock eyes with Jesus. Done deal. How many of you can do that? Like step one, show up and lock eyes with Jesus. Step two, refer to step one. I mean, I can do that. So it doesn't, take, it doesn't take a lot of intellectual power here on this one. So I want to give that out to you. Please stop reading it. Put it away. We're getting on to this message. Jason's like, you can't do that, okay? This week we are going to hit Luke chapter 13, verses 9 through 21. This is another incredible passage. Um, Jesus is, is on his way to Jerusalem. He's talking to, to people. He's, there's a lot of people around him. And, and, and we get to verse 10, and, and something kind of cool happens. This is a hard message for me this week. If you read ahead, maybe it was a hard message for you as well. Um, let's start reading in verse 10. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and praised God. Verse 14. Oh, what's that word, Jared? I'm going to say it wrong. Indignant. Indignant. I say it wrong every time. I'm not even going to try. Indignant. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leaders said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Verse 17. When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. These are a lot of verses here. Hopefully you have a Bible in front of you and you're following it and if you're reading it. If you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. Take it. We, we want to look at Scripture. And we're going to continue to look at Scripture every week here. So it's important to have the Bible in front of you. As you look at verse 10, I started it on verse 10 and a couple things jumped out at me. What jumped out at you? Was there anything that jumped out at you? A couple things jumped out at me. Look, look, it says, On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And go on, on to, to verse 11. And, and there was a woman there. But as Jesus was there, there was a spirit. And we look in verse 11. There was a spirit who crippled this woman. And she could not do anything. Jesus placed her hands on her. And she got up and started praising God. 
So let me go through this, this flow, this logic flow of these verses right here. There's a woman, a spirit has gripped her, crippled her for 18 years. She could not do anything. Jesus came, placed his hands on her. She got up and praised God. That's a pretty cool flow of events. <laughs> Can a Christian be demonically possessed? Just pausing right there. I mean, this, this, this passage kind of brings this up a little bit. Can a Christian be demonically possessed? Can they be influenced? And what do we see right here with, with this woman? See, I, I don't think a Christian can be demonically possessed. Can Christians, can us, followers of Christ, can we be influenced by Satan? Yes. Yes, we can be influenced by Satan. It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we leave a door open for Satan to come in and just subtly start twisting truth. Notice that. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, we leave a door open for Satan to come in and subtly start twisting truth. He's not going to come in and just blare us from the very beginning. He's going to come in and subtly tr- twist the truth in our life. And when, we're, when our eyes are off of Jesus, Satan can do this. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, in, in parts of it, says, um, What fellowship can light have with darkness? It's impossible if we are followers of Christ and we are children of God, a living God, God Almighty. It's impossible for us to have darkness in us when there's light in us. It's impossible. So we cannot be possessed. We can be influenced. Is this lady, does she know who Jesus is? Who knows? As Jesus is there though, we see a beautiful turn of events, don't we? Regardless of who she knew, if she knew who Jesus was before, she knows who Jesus is after she encounters him. Put yourself in, in her place. What is she for 18 years? Nothing. She exists. She, she could not straighten up at all. She could not do anything at all. She had lost all hope. She was crippled and could not. Do any of us in our lives, do we feel crippled? Do we feel like we cannot? Now I want to ask you a question. It's kind of a weird question. Can you? Can you? Can you what? Are, are, are you tired? Anyone tired? I'm, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> Me? No. You guys slept in. Yeah, you're in college. That's why you're tired, okay? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm tired. Can I do anything about that? I guess I could sleep. <laughs> I've learned that there's not much in my life that I can control. Can you? Especially the greater, the big things, the tired shirt, let's sleep in. Let's not stay out and drink in Starbucks all night or whatever. I mean, we can do things like this, but even the, the bigger things, what about the sickness that comes on us? What can we do about that? What about the things that are out of our control? What can we, what can this lady right here, 18 years, could not? What are things in your life where it's like, I cannot, I cannot. I mean, are you tired? How, how many of you are addicted Broken, frustrated, stressed out, worried, confused, scared. How many of you feel like a failure? 
How many of us have feel like we've been used or we've been overlooked or we feel insignificant or worn out or we're hurting? Is there any of us in here that are any of these things? Or are we feeling all good? Can you? What can you do when life comes at you and it's harder than you can control? I'm sure this woman wanted to get up and walk, even just straighten up, but she could not. I want to just hold your, hold your finger in, in this little part of the Bible and turn over to Psalms. I'm going to take a, a, a good portion right here. Psalms 139. Anyone know Psalms 139? I got to find it in the Bible first. All right, Psalms 139. I'll give you a little bit to get there because I'm not there yet. (laughs) I was really smart. I brought a version of the Bible to read this out of, but I brought only the New Testament version to read it out of. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. Psalms is in the Old Testament. (laughs) Don't worry. I knew that. I was just tired. (laughs) Um... Can you? That's the question. Can you? What can you do? What can you do when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling life is out of control, when you can't straighten up? Like, I don't know, I don't know what your week's been like. And I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't know what worries you have, anxieties you have, what, what stresses. I know some people are moving states, and I think they're punks. But I, I, what, what things are happening, on, what, what are, what's happening in your life right now? And I had to read Psalms 139. I'm going to read 18 verses. Yes, 18 verses. And I have a problem reading. So maybe I should have someone else come read these 18 verses. If it helps you, close your eyes and think about this. Think about the words of Psalms 139. And we're going to read 18 verses. You have searched me, Lord. And you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Isn't that refreshing? God is familiar with us. That's cool. But a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Wow. Where are you at today? Do you need God's hand on your life? You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Any of us feel like we have darkness, hard things going on? Verse 13. Oh, this is a good one, huh, Permis? For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Praise God. 
I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Where were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Awesome. Beautiful words. Do you know that God loves you? It's pretty simple. He's pretty powerful. This lady needed to hear this. This lady who could not straighten up for 18 years needed to know how much God loved her. That she was knitted together. That she was on purpose. Her flaws, her beauty, everything about her was on purpose. And Jesus comes and he puts his hand on her and she straightens up. She could not. She could not. And church, we cannot, but Jesus can. We cannot, but Jesus can. Let's focus on Jesus. He loves us. Satan wants to kill us, but Jesus loves us. He comes to this lady who is not able to stand up for 18 years. He places her hand on her, and she can. She now can walk because of Jesus and the power. See, you see laying on in the hands multiple places in Scripture, multiple places, and it's used for different things. I think it's kind of funny that oftentimes when Satan is using these physical hands, we see it, it come out in stoning. You know, people are getting stoned because of hands. Like we see this in the Bible. Satan uses hands to curse and to stone people. But God, God, Jesus uses hands to heal people and to bless people. And that's a beautiful thing. How many of you need the hand of Jesus on you today? Just ask God. Say, God, I need your hand on my life right now. Go ahead. Just right now where you're at. Just, God, I need your hand. So here we see, getting back to our, our verses here, in verse 10, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching. In verse 11, a woman was there. She was crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up, and she praised God. What do you do when Jesus comes into your life and he heals you? What do you do do when Jesus comes into your life and he injects hope where there is no hope? What What do you do when you're addicted to something or you're depressed or you're feeling this heavy, heavy weight and Jesus comes and he lays his hand on you and he whispers to you and says, Child, I love you. You're okay. And he begins to walk with you hand in hand. What do you do? Do you high five him and say, Thank you, God. I got it from here. Thanks for the baton and run off. Or do you stand up like the woman who had been crippled for 18 years and praise God? Church, let's praise God. We have so much to praise God for. Just take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. When I do that, I look at the face of Jesus and I say, God, you can and you are worthy and I will praise you. Church, do we praise Jesus? We have 
all the reason in the world to praise Jesus. Well, a synagogue ruler, why does he get mad? He comes begging Jesus to heal. Um, Why does does he get mad? Uh, I want to make a, a little reference here. This synagogue ruler gets mad. There's kind of a competition thing going Like he's the man, he's in charge, but in comes Jesus and does this wonderful thing. And now he's not so much in charge. Like people are listening to Jesus over this guy. Any of you, you get offended really easily. My grandpa says something that's brilliant. Um, Sorry to talk about you, grandpa. He says this, refuse to get offended. Refuse to get offended. This this synagogue, synagogue ruler gets offended right here. And Jesus comes in. He's speaking truth. But what I think is funny. People often turn to Jesus when they're, when they're in the most devastating places in their life. Because I can illustrate this with another synagogue ruler. In Mark chapter 5 verse 23. We went through this story in Luke as well. But this other synagogue ruler comes to Jesus Begging. Why does he come to Jesus begging? He comes begging because his daughter is sick and his daughter needs to be healed. It's funny in life that oftentimes people say, I got this. And then something bad happens in their life. And it could be even as a society when bad things happen. that It's, it's devastation breeds investigation and proclamation. Uh, it's fancy, right? I, just, I, th- I thought that was cool. I want to say that again. Devastation breeds investigation and proclamation. And what I mean by that, I've done so many hospital visits as a pastor. I've seen bad things happen in the world. And, the, and oftentimes when people are devastated... They're in a, in a state where their life is out of control. Their daughter is sick. They need something. Like their life is devastated. Oftentimes people go, God, where are you? Or God, there is a God and please pray for God. Like when devastation comes, people often know that they're not in control. And they may not even be Christians. They know that they're not in control. And they'll call a pastor and say, pray for me because I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's what we do when life gets hard. We, when devastation comes, it breeds us to ask about God and who he is. Is and, and to also proclaim his power, how, how awesome that he is. So we see this synagogue ruler with his daughter sick. He comes begging Jesus to heal. But this one right here in this passage, he's not devastated yet. So he has enough room to be arrogant, to be offended. What about us? Do we go to Jesus only when our life is devastated? Or do we go to Jesus every day? And focus on him. Thank him. Remember. Proclaim his name. Even when life is going good. It's a good challenge right there. So immediately she gets up. Jesus set her free from the bondage. You are set free. Praise God. Then we get to verse 14 and 15. And there's that word that I don't understand. I don't know how to say it. I say it wrong all the time. Embarrassed. Mad. Whatever. Because Jesus had, had healed on the Sabbath. Then the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. In verse 15, the Lord answers him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? 
So this ruler, this, this, this guy is coming out and he's saying, you can heal, but just don't do it on the Sabbath. Like there's six other days that you can do this. So why are you doing it on the day that we said that you can't heal? Like those six other days, sure. But the Sabbath day, remember, that's the holy day. We're not supposed to work. We're not supposed to do anything. And according to the, the, uh, uh, the oral traditions of the time, this is an interpretation of ex, um, Exodus 20 verse 9. And, and the oral traditions are saying, God is saying, you know, keep the Sabbath holy and do not work during this day. I read this a, a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago, but it's just a portion of something called the Mishnah. And the Mishnah was created. The Mishnah was created because of that one verse that said, don't work on the Sabbath, keep it holy, a day of rest. And so people started questioning, what does the Sabbath mean and how do, what does it mean not to work? Well, what can I do? What's considered work? What's not considered work? It started a, a good place, but it got out of control. So let me read a portion of this Mishnah. It's the same one I read a while ago, but I think it's just so, I don't know, judge for yourself, okay? Here's a portion of the Mishnah, and this is what it means to not work on the Sabbath, okay? One who carries anything in the right or in the left hand or in his, in his bosom or on his shoulders is culpable or Guilty of work if you carry him any of those ways. But one who carries out a thing on the back of his hand. Have you ever tried to carry something on the back of your hand? Carry something um, on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or with his elbow or with his ear or with his hair or with his waist bag or between his belt and his shirt or with the edge of his short shirt or with his shoe or with his sandal is not guilty. Because he carries it in an unusual manner. So it's considered work if you carry it in your hand on the Sabbath. But it's not considered work if you carry it on the top of your hand. Like rules, regulations. And we see this. This, this guy in the synagogue, is, he's saying, how come you're breaking the Sabbath? How come you're healing? How come you're working? It's a day set aside for rest. And, and just remember this, that this Sabbath that, that God has given us, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's not a restriction for God's people. You know what it is? It is a freedom to rest and worship. The Sabbath was given to us today, right now. Not as a restriction, not as something that's going to be a rule that says, do this, don't do this. But it gives it as a freedom to rest and worship. How many of you are resting and worshiping? It's a good question. I'm going to get a drink of water. This was a hard part for me to read. Because we get to the Sabbath thing. How many of you just on, on, the, on the realms of Sabbath. How many of you are, are running crazy all the time? I am. As, as I was reading this. Last you know, a few months ago. Our family was really good at, at having a day of Sabbath. A day of rest. Where we'd physically rest. And we'd worship God. It was great. It was awesome. Saturdays. Smelled like bacon and eggs on Saturday mornings. It was, it was great. We would just hang out and rest. And I know that I've been missing this in my life recently. I have just not, I have not rested a whole lot. I've been pretty busy. I have excuses just like everyone else, right? Okay. Um, 
And so this week, I knew we were getting into the Sabbath talk. And so I'm like, okay, God, I really need to get a Sabbath in or I need to rest this week. This was the most insane busy week of my life. Like, I've worked more this week than ever. And I'm going, what? Oh, this is funny, you know? This is funny. This passage is, is so beautiful to me. Because this man, this, this ruler, is, he's worried about keeping this law. But along comes Jesus. And Jesus says... She's been coming to Sabbath for 18 years. She's been coming to church for 18 years. She's been sitting here for 18 years. No rules has held her, healed her. You see that? No rules has healed her. No attending any worship has healed her. No professional pastors could heal her. No one could help her. But Jesus came on the Sabbath and he healed her. It's possible, actually, by the way, church, it's possible to come to church, sit here every week and not see Jesus, not know who Jesus is. But one day, she came. Jesus saw her, saw that she needed help, reached down and touched her and healed her on a Sabbath. And then he turns and he says in verse 16, verse 17, How come, by the way, synagogue guy, you can take your ox and you can water him and you can refresh him on the Sabbath. But this lady, she can't be healed. She can't be set free. She can't be cut loose. She can't be given freedom. You'll do it for your ox, but you won't do it for this lady. What's the problem here? Jesus is saying people are priority. In God's world, people are priority. He loves us. I want to get to verse 18 through 22. Verse 18 to 22, let's look at these. By the way, the people were humiliated because they, it just made sense to them. The truth made complete sense to him. Verse 18, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare it to? The kingdom of God. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Serious? How many of you have 60 pounds of flour at home? And worked it in until it went all through the dough. This last section, I think, is beautiful because the kingdom of God is like a tiny little mustard seed, which becomes a huge, huge thing. And especially in this lady's life, one healing of the healing of this one woman right here, um, it broke through the satanic bondage. It broke through everything, and it infected and affected her entire life. One little touch of Jesus did that. How many of you feel like you're tied up with 60 pounds of stress and 60 pounds of whatever you're carrying, 60 pounds of just this stuff? Jesus is looking, and I think in this teaching especially, he's looking and he's saying, give me a mustard seed of a chance. Like my breath, one little breath of me will affect 60 pounds of whatever you got, and it will work through, and it will heal, and it will mold, and it will shape you. I love you. Satan wants to take you out, but I'm here and I love you. This is what the gospel does. Stop focusing on what's wrong, church. Let's stop focusing on what's wrong and let's start focusing on what is right. Let's start focusing on that one little mustard seed that God is putting in our life. How many of you are guilty of, you'll go through your week and you'll complain. 
I do. How many of you will complain more than you'll say, thank you, God? How many of you will complain about whatever it may be, or you'll be bitter, you'll be tired, you'll be stressed, you'll be worried, and there's this 60 pound of flour that's coming all along us our whole life, it's building up all week long, and then we're, yeah, and then, oh yeah, God, thank you for that one little thing. Like, one little thing. Like, church, let's stop focusing on what's wrong and let's start focusing on right. Let's, let's keep our eyes focused on Him and it will infect all of our being. But we have to stay focused on who He is. God wants to transform us. He wants to love us. He wants to heal us. He wants us to rest, church. By the way, I'll let you struggle with Sabbath because it talks more in other places. But this is a nice little touch to talk about Sabbath. Because if you're not resting and you're not focusing on God and being renewed spiritually, you should probably think about what that's going to look like in your life. Um, this is a, a good time for us just to say, you know, first Wednesday is, is this Wednesday. From 6 to 7, we're coming, we're talking, we're eating. It's a lot of fun. From 7 to 8 is rest and worship. 7 to 8 is when we get, we're just praying. We're sitting in silence. We're focusing on who God is. And we're saying, God, thank you. Thank you. We can get so busy. We can get so worked up. We can work all the time. We can stress out and we can focus on the negative things in life. Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're worrying me. Stop. Just focus on me. I got it. How many of you need to stop trying on your own? I do. What's step one? Focus on who Jesus is. Lock eyes with Jesus. Let him mold us and love us. What was step two? Do you remember? Refer to step one. That is such a beautiful message. Because I could do that. And it's full of hope. This lady need hope. This lady need love. For 18 years, she could not, but Jesus could. For 18 years, we cannot church, but Jesus can. Lock eyes with Jesus today. It's pretty cool when he begins to mold us and shape us. I'm going to ask us just to, just to go into a time of really thinking about this. Like, let's really just spend this time thinking about this. Maybe if you would, just, just close your, your Bible. Um, and just quiet yourself in this place. Just say, God, I, I, what does this mean in my life? <laughs> I can tell you what it means in my life. He's just saying, Aaron, focus on me. So maybe you find yourself in, in this place this morning, and you're so worried about these doings or these mishnas or these rules or whatever you have in your life you're so worried about those things that you've lost what you're supposed to focus on and that is simply the face of Jesus in this place maybe just ask ask God say God please forgive me I repent by the way I I repent of not focusing on you and God I want to focus in on who you are
maybe you're in here and your mind is just racing a hundred directions. Ask God to, to calm you down and let you focus in on him and just say, God, I want to receive anything you want to show me this morning. My, my hands are open to you. My heart's open to you. My mind's open to you. God, please reveal yourself to me this morning. How many of us can relate to this woman when we feel like there's something that's been in our life for 18 years or there's something so heavy on us right now that we just, we need to be set free. We just need Jesus to touch us. What lies are Satan, is Satan whispering into our ears today? Just give those to Jesus. Say, God, please let me see myself through you. I want to rest in you. I want to know who you are. I want to find my identity in you. Jesus, you can, and I cannot. I give you my life today. I give you my circumstances. I give you everything today. Maybe God was working on you like he was with me. The fact that I'm just running. I'm going all the time. I need to slow down. Time to rest. Time to worship and focus on God. What does that look like in your life? I would say let's pray that God would allow us to make room to to worship him, but isn't that completely backwards? Like church, what would it look like if, if we put the Sabbath and resting and focusing, focusing on him as a priority, a number one thing? So God, I pray for us in this room that we realize our power, our strength, anything that we do throughout our days is not because of our hands or because we're just that skillful or that talented or have that much charisma or energy, but God, that we would be finding ourselves in you, that we'd be focusing on you. I'm going to ask this if we would, just to go into a time of, of a response to God in this place. And if you would, just stand up. I'll, I'll ask Krista to come back up here and, and Robbie and, and lead us in some worship. But I want to give us an opportunity just to respond. Um, if, if you would like to pray today, if, if there's anything that you would like, need prayer over, just saying, I've been carrying this burden and, and I don't want to carry it anymore. You want to pray with somebody, then come on up to the front and we'll pray with you up here. Um, maybe your response is just simply saying, God, I want to focus my eye on you today. That's it. Like, I want to focus on you. You can sit, you can stand and, and worship by singing these songs. Maybe on the response card on your chair, you can just write prayer requests or what God's doing for you or, or with you or working in you on that. 
that, and you can put it in our offering basket over on the right. Uh, maybe you just want to pray with someone or sit with someone, but here's the deal. Let's respond to God. Let's lock eyes with him. I'm not sure fully what that's going to look like for you, but I pray that you do it. I pray that you lock eyes with him because he loves you. Do you know that? He loves you. Don't carry that guilt. That thing that you did is not that bad. Ask God to forgive you of that thing, to carry that load from you because he wants to set you free. He wants to have you stand up and to walk in freedom in him. Let's focus on who he is together, church. Can we stand and I'll pray for us and, and we'll continue to worship. God, thank you for today. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you heal us. That's just incredible. I pray that this morning we can focus in on you. We can hear your voice, God. We can know how much you love us. I pray if that any of us are carrying anything, we'll give it up today. Like we'll, we'll just give it up today. Because we cannot, but you can, God. Thank you for our life. And thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.